Let's go to the Lord in prayer now as we uh, as we seek to share this message and uh, and to be encouraged by it. Let's uh, let's turn to Him now, Father. We thank you once again for your precious Word. We thank you that you've preserved it so perfectly for us that we can trust every word within it. And this morning, I pray that that trust would increase, not only in your Word but in you and in our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us. So, Father, I pray to that end that you would use me to bless my brothers and sisters who are listening to this broadcast this morning that I might be a blessing to them and they might be encouraged through it, that our understanding may increase and that our knowledge of our Saviour, Father, would be deepened. And so, Father, I thank you once again for this time. I thank you for this word that you've given to us and I pray that our hearts would be open to that truth that we might continue to be transformed into the perfect image of your Son, Lord, that we might be lights in this world. We just thank you once again for this goodness that you've given to us and for this grace that you continue to share to share us. Father, I pray once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we live in uh, very unique times. It's obvious at the moment. The fact that we're talking together in this way uh, is very unique. Um, But uh, by the same token, uh, the unique times we find ourselves being in the middle of a, uh, a pandemic that has much of the world shut down, we also have this opportunity to speak. It's also unique that we can actually speak in this way because previous generations had no opportunity. At best, they could record a message and hopefully get it to you or other people uh, somehow. But we have the ability to speak live one to another, not just through this uh, format, but through a number of different formats. Uh, So we live in very unique times. Um, And as much of the world goes into lockdown and people's levels of anxiety and fear increase, more and more people are going to focus on uh, the important things rather than um, rather than those things which uh, people get used to each and every day of their lives and people become accustomed to um, during times of stress and during times of times of tribulation it's not necessarily those things which we find that are nice um, that we focus on but things that that become a necessity are also come into focus uh, for us <clears throat> the foundational things in life end up coming out. Uh, and what a person really believes about life ends up uh, coming to the fore. As the pressure increases and life uh, seems to be more and more unsettled or under threat, um, people's uh, true belief system actually comes out. Uh, it's a bit like uh, silver. To refine silver or gold, um, you, you apply heat to it. And as it, uh, as it heats up, um, the, uh, the impurities come out of it. And what's left is uh, purer and purer. I mean, the Word of God says that it's like... Uh, like silver refined seven times uh, in a furnace of earth. So um, something that's been refined seven times has been heated over and over again and all the impurities uh, dissipate dissipate from it. So um, like that, uh, life is a bit uh, a bit the same. Uh, when, people's, uh, when the heat turns up, when the pressure turns up, uh, what people really believe uh, comes to the fore. To the majority of people in this world... Um, Thoughts of God or gods uh, are becoming more and more frequent uh, in their thinking or more and more common in their thinking as they seek to hold on to the foundations of their life and and what is real and what is not and what is uh, uh, steadfast and what is not. Uh, For some, uh, this worldview that forms the foundation of their life uh, might be God. For others, it might be God's. 
For others, it may be their government, and for others, it may even be philosophies or other types, the types of uh, of belief systems. Um, but when people see uh, governments failing, when people see their philosophies not providing them the answers that they need, when people see science to the best of its ability uh, not not able to offer them the security that they need, and that death is still imminent. Um, despite the best efforts of science, they will begin at least to contemplate the supernatural or the um, or the uh, or the or religion um, to address uh, the foundations that they maybe don't have in their lives. Um, and outside the uh, the natural world, um, they begin to understand. Well, maybe there's a supernatural world, and 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 where do I go to find the answers for that? Well, philosophy doesn't give you answers to the supernatural world, or to life after death, or to why we're here. Um, but during these times, people ask those questions more and more, and uh, and only religion can really um, answer those particular questions. Even though there are many false religions, which which end up um, at a dead end. Um, or not providing the answers at all. Um, so this this series that we're commencing uh, this morning um, will be a, uh, essentially to address our, our faith, to to uh, address the beliefs that we have as as, as Christians, um, to speak about the uh, the uniqueness of Jesus Christ as our Savior um, in comparison to the other religions and faiths of the world. And as we as we make a direct comparison, because this is one of the things that led me to Christianity um, a number of years ago, um, when I began to look at the other faiths in the world, when I began to look at what they taught and, and what their belief systems revolved around, what was foundational to their belief systems, Christianity, there was... I found out was no was no comparison, and what re, what Christianity really revolves around is not a, a set of belief uh, uh, systems or or philosophies or um, or creeds or anything like that. Uh, Christianity is essentially revolves around a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, and he is absolutely unique when it comes to um, uh, comparing him to any other religious figure in the uh, the world or history. For that matter, there is no other person like him. And the fact that we have put our trust in him and everything he teaches is really what is the Christian faith. Um, He has given us his word and the teachings that we have in his word are essentially from him. It's what he says is reality and what he says is not reality. What he says is truth and what he says are lies. And he is the one who says uh, and provides us with the, the way uh, to this eternal life that uh, that people have uh, have believed in for millennia uh, in this world, somehow the the there is uh, built within us a belief system that life extends beyond the grave, um, and Jesus gives us the answer to that and what lies beyond. Uh, in fact, he is the only religious uh, uh, leader in the history of mankind who's actually been there and come back to tell us about it. So to that end, he is perfectly unique and perfectly unique in his person because he is the one who created everything, including this world and the afterlife. So for for those of us who have put our trust in him, uh, we have found him to be perfectly truthful, uh, faithful, 
uh, and dependable in, in our own lives. But also um, when we look at his word, we find it to be perfectly reasonable, even in, in the light of scientific theories and, uh, and other philosophies in this world. When you look at the Christian faith and what the Bible teaches, it is perfectly reasonable uh, to believe in those things. In fact, when you compare it to a lot of other things that are going on and, and things that are taught, in fact, it, it's, it's much more reasonable uh, to believe it. Okay, so our focus uh, will be in these coming weeks on uh, verse number six, uh, where Jesus says in uh, John fourteen six, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now that is a statement of uniqueness. No man gets to the Father, who is the creator of all things, who is who lives in heaven. So if you want to get to heaven, if you want to be with the creator of the universe, Jesus says he is the way. He is the truth, the source of truth. He is the life. And no man outside of him actually gets to be with the Father. So that's a statement of exclusivity. It's a statement of uniqueness. Um, And we're going to focus this morning on the way, that Jesus is the way. The goal here this morning, as I've said already, is that our faith will be strengthened, uh, especially during these uncertain times. Um. The world's population currently sits at about 7.8 billion people, almost 8 billion people um, uh, just around the corner. Um, Over 6 billion people uh, in the world say they believe in some sort of religion. So 6 billion out of 7.8 say they believe in some sort of religion. Um, The four largest faiths in our world at the moment, um, out of at least 100 different faiths, if not more, um, represent about 90% of all believers. So only four out of the world, represent 90% of that 6 billion people. And they are represented by four. Christianity, which uh, people call themselves Christians, uh, represent 2.4 billion people, or uh, over 29%, only 30%. Islam uh, is at 1.9 billion people, 24.6%. Hinduism is at 1.15 billion, uh, which is 14.28%. And Buddhism... Uh, which is 521 million at 6.47%. So out of those four uh, faiths, 90% of the world um, uh, is represented in those four. Amazingly, 1.2 billion people in the world say that they are secular in their thinking or non-religious. They are, they, and that includes non-religious, uh, secular thinking, atheist or agnostic. And, they, and those are all actually different things. And there is some overlap in those as well. So 13%, almost 14% of people say they don't believe in anything at all. They're happy to, to trust their governments or trust some, philo- some personal philosophies. Um, they may be uh, atheists or they may be agnostics. So an atheist is someone who's convinced there is no God. An atheist doesn't think there is no God, but hasn't quite proven it, is not quite sure, and is open to um to suggestions or uh, or further evidence so regardless though of what people may uh, believe about themselves everyone ends up putting their faith in something if you don't put it in god you'll put it in gods if you don't put it in gods you'll put it in a religious system um or society or politics or science or family or something else you end up putting your faith in something which essentially means trusting something now, if you don't believe there's, um, there's life after death, you're going to put your faith in something that, that gives you stability in this life only. If you believe in life after death, you're going to put your faith in something that, that hopefully gives you stability in this life and the next life. So 
in any case, whether you are um, an atheist or agnostic or, or a religious person or whichever cl- uh, class you may be in, um, you're putting your faith in something. Um, and uh, the atheists and agnostics of, often scoff um, uh, and say that religions are all the same. That somehow religions, you know, just a, they're all just a bunch of made-up fables. Um, they may be well-meaning. They'll, they'll grant that oftentimes. But they'll say, well, they're not the truth, so they're just wasting your time. Some say religions uh, cause, uh, are the cause of most wars in the world. Um, uh, even though history itself uh, says the opposite. History itself actually says that uh, most religions are not caused by um, uh, religion. Most, sorry, most wars are caused by, not religion, but by political uh, uh, wars. In fact, the largest genocides in the history, you know, where, where people, where wars, without wars, sorry, um, where, uh, where genocides have occurred uh, to their own populations in the history of this world, where the losses of life um, were directly, were directly attributable, attributable to communistic governments who wanted to, um, to institute a belief system or to lay a new foundation for the belief system of the people in their countries. And, uh, and for those who opposed or those who didn't want that, who, who wanted to hold their religions or, or keep what belief system they had, they spent their time eradicating those people. Um, and uh, the numbers, when you look at just Russia and China and the upheaval that they put their own people through, um, the total number, number of people killed. They killed their own people to create a new foundation, a new um, uh, belief system, um, were around the 100 million people mark. Now, just put that in context. At the moment, we have the coronavirus, which has uh, killed about uh, possibly... 3,000 people or more, um, maybe up to 10. Maybe the coronavirus might kill as much as the, uh, the swine flu, uh, which killed possibly a million people, if not more. Um, but in comparison to that, in comparison to what we're going through now, uh, communist or atheistic governments have killed about 100 million people, and that their own. So um, when the atheist or the agnostic says, oh, you know, religions are the cause of most wars, they're actually not. Um, communism is uh, is as much of a belief system, and governments actually are uh, ha- who hold a particular type of uh, of governmental rule are as much of a belief system to many people as religions in the world. Um, and a good number of those 1.2 billion people that say they have no religion um, have been robbed. Are the very ones that have been robbed of their religion by these governments um, that have uh, slaughtered their own people. Um, the atheist and the agnostic often demand evidence. So they'll, they'll come and they'll say, uh, where's the evidence or, or, you know, or reason defense for the beliefs that people have in this world? And they'll look at their religious person and they'll say, where's your proof of your God? Or where is, you know, where's a reasonable argument that there is, a, uh, there is such thing that you believe in? And that's not an unreasonable thing to ask, to be honest with you. Um, for many people who adhere to one religion or the other actually don't have a reasonable argument for believing uh, what they believe. They've just simply been handed down that worldview by their parents or grandparents or by their um, or by their own culture. So they've never spent any any reasonable time um, examining their own belief system, and oftentimes um, 
they are, they are locked into a system that they that they don't drear don't uh, don't uh, ever think of uh, uh, questioning because they're worried about um, being ostracized by their own community or being uh, or upsetting their own families. Um, uh, atheists also often uh, charge believers in a god or gods of having an emotional crux. Um, they accuse them of putting their brains in the neutral. Uh, while they put their while they while they put their faith into gear, and having grown up uh, in the Catholic background, I can I can attest to you that the vast majority of Catholics, um, and I pray they do open their eyes to the truth, um, know very little about their faith. Um, they the majority of them are well meaning, the majority of them believe in God. Um, they may they may even say they believe in Jesus Christ, um, but they have no clue how to defend it. They have no clue why why they would believe such a system and and such a and, and believe in such things, um, but this is not just true of Catholics. This is true of of almost or most people uh, in this world who hold to a religion, one religion or the other. Um, they just simply can't really defend in a reasonable fashion the the belief system that they have. Um, and it's important to understand what a person is actually doing when they put their trust in a god. Or a belief system about or that centers around a particular God. Their trust includes not only their efforts and their worship and their everyday life, but includes putting their eternal souls. So they're saying they they have an eternal soul. So they live on the earth for about seventy to one hundred years, let's say. And then what they're saying is that they exist forever after that. So they're putting their eternal destiny, not just a hundred, not just a thousand, but a million and and so on. Okay, into in a they put their trust in a god to save them in that particular situation, to actually give them a, a foundation for living an eternal life. Um, now that's a, a huge, that's a huge decision uh, for someone to make, especially for someone to make who hasn't examined anything who hasn't laid any groundwork, who hasn't done the research, who hasn't compared, who hasn't looked at. Um, but this is also true of people that are agnostic and atheist. The agnostic and the atheist, most of them haven't done the research. Most of them haven't looked and, 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 and taken the Bible and actually uh, examined what's in the Bible and said, um, yes, this is true or this is not. Most of them haven't. All they've done essentially is learnt arguments uh, from other people, and they just parrot the same arguments over and over again, without actually examining uh, what the reality is about um, about life and an afterlife and eternal life. So what they do is they put their trust in a system, which essentially is a religion, because that religion says there is no afterlife. So I have to make the best of the life that I have now. Um, so whether you are a religious person, whether you're agnostic or atheist, <clears throat> whether you say you are nothing, in the end, you've put your faith in a system. You've put your faith in something. And for us, we say we put our faith in Jesus Christ. So this next few weeks, we'll examine why. Why that's a, why that's a good thing to do, why it's a smart thing to do, and why the evidence all points actually to trusting him uh, for our eternal souls. Um, putting your faith in something that that is meant to guide your eternal soul or will determine your eternal destiny um, is a huge, huge uh, decision. I mean, would you put your life in the hands of a surgeon? Think of this. Would you ever put your hands in the life of a surgeon um, to remove a cancerous growth from your body who had no proof of education, 
who had no proof of his experience in the field um, to come and operate on you? Would you ever do that? Well, the answer is no. You, you'd, the first thing you'd do is you'd run the other way because you're not going to commit your life and you could die on the operating table to someone who hasn't, hasn't got proof that he's actually graduated from medical school and who's never operated anyone else before or can't prove it. Um, you would say that person was crazy if they went and jumped on, a, on an operating table to be operated on by someone like that. Yet billions of people in this world have put their faith by their own confessions their eternal souls into the hands of gods or faiths that can't be verified and that stand in direct contradiction to each other and that there is absolutely no proof for. They can't all be true. They can't. Not all, all religions can be true because they contradict each other. So logically, um, they can't all be true because there's a contradiction between each of them. I know there are a number of people in this world who say that all these religions lead to the same place. Well, they can't. That's the problem. They can't all lead to the same place because they teach op sometimes diametrically opposite things. And Christianity teaches something that is vastly different to all the other religions put together. Um, most of them cannot be true. In fact, there really can only be one in the end. Um, and our contention, our belief, our uh, experience uh, tells us that the Christian faith or this belief in Jesus Christ um, is the one that is true. I recently saw a man wearing a T-shirt in a shopping centre which read, Life is short, but eternity is forever. Mm, yes, life is short. And eternity is forever. There is no comparison between those two things. Yet when you examine the time that people spend in their lives, in their short lives, examining eternity <clears throat> and looking at, at that as, a, as an important uh, subject, um, the evidence suggests that they don't consider it important. Most people say they believe in eternal life, but live lives as if it doesn't exist. So <clears throat> there's often a, uh, a disparity between those two things. The vast majority of people in this world believe in a God or gods because, like I've said, their parents have handed that down to them. Um, their culture hands it down to them. Um, and this doesn't make sense. When you think about the fact that all the, all the, every country in the world probably has some different emphasis on different faiths, has a different culture, has a different belief system. Um, it would be foolish to think that they somehow all believe, all lead to the same, uh, the same uh, place. Um, and why people who say they believe in, etern in eternity actually never even examine what they, what they believe. It just, they just go along with whatever flow there is. Now, when you look at it, when you examine it, and when you see it from that perspective, um, you see how foolish people actually are because they say they believe one thing, but the truth of the matter is they actually don't believe it. They don't believe it because if you really believed in eternal life, you would examine um, what system will get you to the place you want to go. Um, uh, and, but the majority of people in this world have a belief system that has just been handed down to them and they don't question it at all. No aspect of it. It's almost like they just, oh, I'm happy to go along with whatever I've been told. Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? And Jesus put it very, very succinctly. 
Um, Jesus says that a human soul, because it is eternal, is worth more than all the riches of the world. Now, Jesus tells us exactly what the human soul is worth, more than everything that you see in front of your eyes. Um, Yet the way most people behave, it's as if the human soul has no worth at all, that they don't believe it. Atheists are correct in some cases. Atheists are correct to argue that most religious people have not exercised their brains. It's true. Most religious people have not exercised their brains and have rather been swept uh, up into the faith of other people. They've, what essentially they've done is they've trusted other people rather than trusting God. Um, when you think about it, just blindly following what your parents and ancestors believed in is not a demonstration of faith at all in God. What it is, is a demonstration of faith in other people. You've trusted other people. You've trusted your culture to give you the truth and you haven't questioned it. Um, but the Bible says that our faith is not an, a, 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 our, our faith is not a brainless exercise. It's, in fact, a very reasonable thing to do. In fact, um, God, the God of the Bible... Um, that we have put our trust in, invites a person um, to reason together regarding his claims and his promises. Now, if you have your Bible, um, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There's a claim that he's making. And he's saying, let's reason together here. This is what I can offer you. This is, this is uh, what I can give you. In a sea of contrasting faiths, and lack of faith in the middle of a world of contradictions and apathy, we claim as Christians this morning to be the to be the ones who know and have believed the absolute truth, and this is part of it that we have believed in a God who is actually open to scrutiny. He actually says, "Come on, put me to the test. Come on, let's reason this thing through. If I exist as the God of the universe, if I exist at all, if um, if the 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 evidence." that we see around us points to the existence of a, a supernatural being who brought all these things together, then put this to the test as well, that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, and though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If there is a God who is the creator of the universe, then that same God who sets the mor- can set the moral standards for his creation. And this God is the one who says, not only am I the creator of the laws of the universe, I am, I am actually the God who created the moral laws of this universe. And I am uh, the only one who can really hold everyone to account. And as such, I also have the power and the ability to be able to forgive those transgressions of my law. And I want you to come and experience it. I want you to come and see whether what I'm telling you is reasonable or not. Our conviction this morning, and my conviction this morning, is that when we we honestly compare the religions of this world, when we compare atheism 
and we put Christianity and we, 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 we compare all those things, there is an absolute world of difference between these different belief systems. What we believe is not only totally reasonable, but even demanded when you actually lay all the evidence out on the table. When one honestly looks at the claims made by the one that we have chosen to entrust our souls to, when we look at the life and the teachings of Jesus, and when you honestly um, uh, look at the claims that he made, um, he was either uh, a madman by the claims that he's made, because he claimed he was God in the flesh. He was a liar, which means he was actively deceiving everyone around him, or he was exactly who he said he was. And our contention, when you examine the history, not just in the Bible, but outside the Bible, is that he, exact, he was exactly who he said he was, the son, the only begotten son of the living God. And when we examine these things in the coming weeks, my hope is that not only will you be strengthened in your faith, but you'll be able to give an account for why you believe what you believe. In one particular scene in the Bible, Jesus was with his closest followers, his closest friends in that upper room. It was the evening of the Last Supper. And, he's, uh, and he was about to be betrayed, put on trial, uh, and then ultimately crucified for what he believed and rose again on that third day. He had finished at this particular point. He's, up, uh, he's upstairs in this uh, particular room with his uh, 12 mo most trusted friends. And he had just finished washing their feet in order to teach them how to, how to serve and love one another. He, he was basically making a point that, you know, if he's the son of God and he was serving them in that particular way, if he was lowering himself and, uh, and humbling himself to wash their feet, he said, well, if I can do this for you, then you need to understand that you need to do the same. Uh, this is the type of love because I've come to serve you. I've come to save you and I've lowered myself. Indeed, he did. And when you think about how much he lowered himself, there isn't any comparison. He, he, he came from heaven to earth. That's, that's, a, that's a distinct lowering. He left his throne to be born in a stable. He left, he left being worshipped to being persecuted and, uh, and going through uh, tribulations in this world. He went through not experiencing pain, to experiencing pain and suffering like, like no other man has experienced. But in the midst of all that, he says, um, uh, after washing their feet and sharing the special time with them, uh, this chapter, if you turn to John chapter 14, verse 1, um, he begins with these, these uh, precious words. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1 says, um, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That single line carries so much weight to it. I can't, I could preach on this for weeks. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, why would he even say that? Let not your heart be troubled. Because he, was a, he, he told them, was about to tell them that he was going to be betrayed and crucified like a common criminal. They were going to see him die. And they were each of them going to betray him and leave him. They were going to run like scared rabbits. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? If you believe in God, then believe also in me. 
Jesus knew that his disciples believed in God. They had a genuine belief that there was a God who um, was the creator of the universe. They were convinced of his existence. Not only that, but their desire was to be with him. They wanted to be with this God one day. So Jesus reassures them. Okay, then the light of his coming betrayal. So he, he already foretold he was going to be betrayed. He was going to be handed over to the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. He was going to be handed over to the Roman government. He was then going to be to die on a cross. He was then going to rise on the third day. So Jesus, like no other person, foretold exactly what was going to happen to him. And he says, look, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. But in the light of all this, I know you're going to be scared. I know it's going to be a troubling time, the same types of troubling times that we're in now. He says to his, his most trusted friends, his disciples that have followed him for three years, you know, you believe in God. I know you believe in God, but believe in me now the same way. Put your trust in me the same way you trust the God of the universe. Things will look very bleak in the days ahead for you. But he was as dependable, he said, as God himself. And how could he make such a claim? How could anyone say to anyone else, you believe in God or believe in me the same way? The only way he could actually make that claim was if he was God himself. And because he was the physical manifestation of God upon the earth, he said he was the only doorway for man back to God. The equation was simple, but the claim is colossal. The claim is humongous. The claim is beyond measure that a man would come and say, you believe in God? You know what? Believe in me exactly the same way. Trust in me the same way you trust that the God of this universe keeps the earth revolving around the sun, keeps morning and evening and nighttime going. The, the same God that, that has the seasons going year after year after year. The same God that guarantees that you have air to breathe is the same way you need to trust in me. And he claimed to be this exclusive doorway to the one and only true God. And that's what brings us to this verse. John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus saith, it, saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Um, how are we going with that time here? Okay, we're going good. So we're going to look at just briefly now uh, the way. Every religion in the world teaches a way. Every religion says that they have the way, and that they, they have created or, 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 uh, or possess the pathway in order to reach your destination. And if your destination is to have eternal life, if your destination is to, is to be uh, reincarnated into a higher plane, then they have it. Okay? All faiths have a concept of an afterlife, though. Every faith in the world has a concept of an afterlife. Every faith believes that there is something more to, than this physical world that we just see in front of us. And there is something beyond it. For some, that afterlife is permanent. For the Christian, uh, we believe in an eternal abode and that we live once in this world and that the, the very next thing, and, and that, that's the same uh, belief for in Judaism and also uh, Islam, that there is one life to live and that, and that you then answer for this life and then you get to live in an eternal place uh, which is distinct from the world. Uh, for the Indian religions, uh, which are Hinduism and Buddhism, Eternal life is characterized by an endless wheel. 
of life and death. So you keep on coming back over and over and over again. So you go from the world to spiritual, back to the world, to spiritual, back to the world, to spiritual. Uh, and if you do well in life, if you perform good deeds, if, you're, if your good outweighs your bad, if you, if you live according to a, a strict set of criteria, uh, you'll be reincarnated into a higher plane. So uh, that higher plane could be still in this world. So you might end up uh, as a bug. And then that bug can actually uh, can increase, and it might come next as a dog. It might come next as a as a an elephant. It might come after that as a human, and then after that human, there are different caste systems that you have. So you may start off as a poor person, a slave. You you then uh, can graduate up. the uh, The idea with uh, with Hinduism and Buddhism is to free yourself from this wheel, to free yourself from an endless revolving around of life death life uh life uh, suffering death life suffering death life suffering death this endless cycle and so the what they're trying to achieve uh just so you understand the comparison between us and and the and the the, the religions that believe in one god um is that they're trying to free themselves from that endless cycle they don't see this life as any good they 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 want to be released from it uh, and Buddhism itself doesn't uh, really believe and depend or depend upon God or gods to be worshipped. But the individual alone must meditate and avoid suffering uh, and desire in order to go up this ladder. So they see they see it as a as a as a way that you need to progress until you hit that final point, that final bit of perfection, and then you sort of you uh, disappear into the uh, into the void, and you no longer have to be born again and. Um, and to suffer uh, as as most people do, uh, Hinduism, on the other hand, has millions of gods. So it not only believes it believes in a reincarnation uh, system, but it has belief system of millions of gods and has a very complicated system of belief and adherence. But this includes a caste system. So a caste system means that there are different levels within a, a particular culture. So the good people are reincarnated to higher caste and bad people to lower caste. So each caste in India knows its place um, and, and, and hopes to ascend to a better one after death. Um, this causes all types of discrimination. You end up having people who, who are a higher caste than other people and they look down upon them. They don't look at them as the same. They see themselves as having ascended to a higher place, therefore are more worthy. Oh, that brings discrimination. And, it, and, and even elevates some animals above certain people. Uh, so don't worry if you lose your pet. Because if they've been good, they may just come back as a human being. Interesting point. Um, the core beliefs of Hinduism, when you look at it, is that truth is eternal for them. So there is an eternal truth. They, don't, they, they do believe in an absolute truth. Hindus pursue knowledge and, understand, and understanding of that truth. So they'll, they'll try and, 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 and dig into it. That's the goal, one, one of the goals, even though many people don't. Uh, the very essence of the universe uh, and one reality is something they try to understand. Um, Brahman... Uh, is, according to them, truth and reality. He's their highest God. The Vedas, like we have our Bibles, <clears throat> are their ultimate source of authority. Um, everyone should strive to achieve uh, Dharma, okay, um, which is a particular standard. 
uh, individual souls are immortal. So in other words, they believe in the immortality of a soul, but that you come, you come back and that that soul can go through torment many, 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 many times. Um, and the goal of the individual is uh, moksha, which I believe to be uh, released from that. Um, so the, the Hindu itself claims to have the truth, to believe in one um, and millions of other true gods. Uh, it has what's called karma, and, and we, that, that name or that word is thrown away or thrown around fairly loosely uh, in our society as well. But it's a loose system of good and bad works, but not very clearly defined as they are in the Bible. Uh, in Hinduism, sin uh, is, uh, is, a, is sin such as a murder. Lying and stealing have a negative uh, uh, effect on the soul. But these can be overcome by good intentions and, and efforts in doing good. So according to, uh, to Hinduism, um, you can overcome your, your sins by doing something good. And that's where a lot of, a lot of religion in the world actually sit. Um, uh, a similar idea exists in Islam. And a person can ask for forgiveness, but in Islam, you can never truly know if you've been forgiven. So you can ask for forgiveness, but you can't know that. You'll only end up finding that out on the Day of Judgment. Nor can a Hindu or Buddhist ever know if their good karma will outweigh their bad, you can't. You can never know that. So one of the uh, one of the interesting things about these religions is that you can do all your best, but you don't know. You can never know whether the good that you've done actually has outweighed your bad. You may be going down that ladder, or you may be going up, and you've got no idea. But at the end of the day, the only thing that, that it will teach you is that it's by your own efforts. In other words, and this is uh, the, probably one of the most important points here, is that every other religion in the world, every one, bar none, teaches that you have to earn your own way to God. Every religion in the world, except one. Christianity is the only religion that teaches that God came to us in order to save us because we couldn't earn or merit eternal life ourselves. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait for us to do the good works to catch up with our bad works. God didn't expect us to um, have the balance at the end higher than our, uh, the good higher than our lower. In fact, God says, well, if you've broken my laws, you can't make up for them. That's not something that you can do. And that's true. In, what's interesting is that in every culture in the world, um, if you break the law, they don't look at the other things that you've done that are good. Or that you can't just make up for it. You have to pay the penalty. If you break a speeding uh, 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 limit in your car, you pay a penalty. They may let you off the first time, but in the end, you're going to pay the penalties for those things. Uh, if you've murdered someone, there's a penalty to pay. You're going to go to prison or you're going to die. That's in every culture. But what's interesting is that um, in, in every culture in the world, um, they have a system of law that doesn't allow you, if you murder someone, to make up for it. It says you've got to go to jail. Go directly to jail. and Don't, don't collect your $200, definitely. But when it comes to religion, it's the other way around. So the laws of the world apparently are harder to keep than the laws of, of the universe. 
that the God that the laws that the God of the universe or the gods of the universe have put in place are somehow a lot easier to keep, uh, and you can make up for them as you're go- as you're going along. Yet, no religion can tell you, none can tell you, at what stage you're at today. Now, I looked at the uh, the the, um, the the results for the. Um, the coronavirus around the world this morning, and 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 it's spiking again, and it's keep it, it keeps on going up. But at any particular point in time, the governments know roughly how many people there are that are infected, and they definitely know how many people are dead because of it, and they keep track of it. Okay, and they know where they're at, and they're hoping that 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 graph that's, that seems to be going up will eventually flatten and then go down. Um, the funny thing is that there's no religion that can tell you. Whether your graph is is uh, where it is at any particular point in time. So if you died today, you don't know whether your graph is actually negative or positive. There is only one though that will tell you exactly where your graph is, and that you can know where your graph is, and that is Christianity. Um, the 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 belief system that we have is that Jesus died for us before we did one thing for Him. In fact, not only did he die for us before we did one useful thing for him, but he died for us when we couldn't do anything that was good and could never. In fact, the Bible teaches us that all of our righteousness, all of the things that we think are valuable to God, somehow that God's going to find some merit or some value in them, are actually like filthy rags before him. Everything that we do is tainted with the sin nature that we have. Um, and so God had to step in. He had to step in because we were, by nature, criminals. A criminal, <clears throat> a child that is born into a criminal family, okay, and is only taught criminal things in that family because their parents were criminal and their parents were criminal and their parents were criminal, doesn't have any option other than to, do, to go into crime because that's what they know. And by nature, they have that within them. And that's a situation that every person in the world, the Bible says, finds themselves in. As much as they may even want to do something, as much as their conscience, which which we have, uh, actually tells us something's wrong here, that the alarms go off, we eventually manage to override that. We actually do the exact opposite of what our conscience actually says, and we eventually are able to blunt it to a point where it doesn't bother us anymore. And we know that that's, a, that's an absolute fact in every person's life. People who, are, who go into crime in their life, um, they may have sh- uh, stolen stuff from a store. The first time they do that, they feel something that's not right. Or they may have killed someone. They feel something's not right. I've just killed someone. You know, heaven forbid. The second time they do it, they may feel something, but a little bit less. And after the third or fourth and fifth time they killed someone or they robbed a store, it becomes second nature. That's the nature of every person. People lie to themselves all the time. So there is no absolutely no way to know in any of these religions outside of Christianity whether you're going to heaven or not, whether you're going up or whether you're going down or sliding down all the way down to the bottom. Um, you don't know that. But God sent the Bible. The Bible says that God sent his son into this world to save us when we were yet sinners. He didn't wait for us to get better. He knew that we weren't going to get better. And he died for us to rescue us from our own weaknesses and sins. The way, according to Christianity, in contrast to every other religion, is not more effort. It's not trying harder, but faith. 
It's simple faith. It's simple belief in Jesus and what he has done. Faith in Christ's sacrifice and trust in him to save ourselves is the way. Jesus came to save us. And when we put our faith in him, the Bible says that God actually bestows upon us grace and forgiveness um, in a way that no other faith expresses. So you see, the way in Christianity is Christ. It's not a system. It's not a particular set of rules and regulations, but it's simple faith that actually releases you from the damnation that you are currently in. No other religion in the world has a saviour like Jesus Christ. None. You, well, we're going to compare all these different uh, religions in the coming weeks. Um, um, they may have good examples, uh, but it's really up to you in the end. So they may have um, gods who have good characteristics and many gods, uh, when you compare them and look at their, at their, uh, their definitions, are both good and bad. They have characteristics like people most of the time. It's a bit like the, the Greek gods, the Roman gods. They had, they had good strengths, and, but they also had weaknesses as well. Um, but the difference is um, in our faith, is that the message of the gospel, the, the, the reason it's good news is that it isn't up to us. It isn't up to our flawed characters. It isn't up to our own efforts, which can never make it to God's perfect standard. Um, <clears throat> it's really up to him. And Christ did it all. And what we have to do is simply trust him. And then that trust actually opens up God's grace. And when God's grace comes in, it transforms us as people. Turn with me to John chapter 10, verse 9. As we just, we just uh, wrap up uh, this particular point, I'd like to close on this particular thought uh, this morning. Um, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, <clears throat> I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Um, Jesus says in this particular verse, and the claims of his verse, in, uh, uh, his claim in verse 6 of John chapter 14, is that he is the way. He is the way. He personally, this all hinges on him. He's put this whole thing upon his own shoulders and says the, the, the eternal destiny of every person on this planet in the history of this planet is dependent on him and only him. And to get things started on this way, on the way, is to enter through him. He is the door. He is the path. He is the destination. Yeah. The claims that Jesus made to being the door, the path, the destination, the very, the very definition of truth um, is a claim or are claims that are incredible. 
by any stretch of the imagination. When I find it interesting when people actually look at Jesus and they say, oh, he was a, he was a great moral teacher. Oh, he was a, someone who taught us to self-sacrifice uh, for the sake of others. He was a person who taught us to love. He was a person who taught us to, uh, you know, to do good to others. He was a great moral teacher, one of the greatest religious teachers in the history of the planet, even people who don't believe in God they say about him. What's extraordinary is that they dismiss or forget about, or maybe they don't even know, that he actually claimed to be God himself. I wonder what they would really believe about someone who claimed to be God himself and that the the eternal destiny of every soul on the planet depends on him. Now, I wonder if they'll go as far as to say he's a great moral teacher or that he teaches about love. I wonder if that's going to make a difference to them because in this culture that we live in, uh, you can live a a fantastic life uh, for for 50 years uh, and then you do something wrong and people will ostracize you and they write you off immediately. Um, on Facebook and other places like that. Uh, But I wonder, have people really um, taken Jesus seriously? Because I don't think they have. In fact, when they say he's a lovely teacher, wonderful teacher, great moral leader, really they're just patronizing him when you think of it. Because either you accept what he teaches as a whole or you don't. Uh, Either he says who he is or he's not. And if 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 he's not God, if he's not who he says he is, then at the end of the day, Who cares about the moral teachings? Because at the end of the day, if he's a liar, if he's a deceiver, or if he's just plain crazy, then putting your trust in him and following what he's got to say is going to get you damned at the end. It's going to get you into a place called hell, or you're going to go down that scale according to the, the Hindus and the Buddhists. But in the coming weeks, we're going to find out more and more that Jesus exactly supports what he says he is, every claim that he made is so unique compared to the other religious uh, leaders of the world that you cannot help but actually look at him and say, he's true. He's absolutely true. When Jesus says, I am the door um, to eternal life and that any man entering, he shall be saved. Not he shall try to be saved, but he shall be saved. Um, The question is, whether you really believe that verse is true or not. And this morning, I'm going to close on, I want to close on that particular thought. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter him, he shall be saved. This morning, the question is, for ourselves, first of all, for those who are listening to this broadcast, are you saved? Because that can be an absolute statement of fact. It's not like every other religion where you don't know where you're going, where your efforts, even your best efforts, cannot be measured and you don't know where you're at at any particular time. Christianity says that if you enter by Jesus, if you put your trust in him, if you, if you ask him to come into your life and to save you from your sins, the Bible guarantees that you shall be saved, past tense. So that offer goes out to everyone this morning. Those who are listening and hopefully those who may one day listen to this particular sermon wondering whether they need to put their faith in Christ or whether they need to continue to try their best in a system that will ultimately fail. My challenge to you this morning is to go through that door if you haven't already. To go through that door, be saved, put your faith in Christ because he is ultimately trustworthy. He is the author of truth. And in the end, if you 
read the word of God and you allow it to speak not only to your mind, but to your heart, you will discover that he is exactly who he said he is. He is the son of God sent to this world to rescue sinners like us so that we might be one day with him. Um, Go through that door if you haven't already. Um, Trust Christ as your saviour. Forsake every other way because all those other ways are dead ends and live your life for him. Allow him to transform your mind and your thinking. Allow the word of God to change you as a person if you have stepped through those doors and be more and more like him. Seek to please him for what he's done for you. And that's ultimately why a Christian does good things. Christians don't do good things to try to earn their way to heaven, to earn merit with God. Christians do good things because so many good things have been done to us and we just can't help but do them back. So this morning, uh, I'd like to, um, to close in a word of prayer to thank you all for being here with us. I pray that this message has been an encouragement to you. And I want to encourage you to, to log on again next week um, to join us on Wednesday evening, if you can. Um, so let's continue to pray. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for this world because uh, it's in need of much prayer and of salvation. Uh, so let's close in a word of prayer and let's pray for anyone that we know that doesn't know the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and we thank you that you sent your only begotten son into this world to save sinners like us. We thank you that he is the door and the path. We thank you that he has made himself the destination that we, are, that we have set ourselves to. And I pray that in this world, that we would follow him diligently, that we would keep our eyes firmly set upon him, that we would not waver to the left or to the right, but that we would continue to trust him in every facet of our lives. We thank you for the salvation which we enjoy, which we can rejoice in together this morning, even though we may not be together physically. We just thank you and we rejoice in you and we worship you because you are a God who has shown himself to be utterly truthful and perfect and holy in all his ways. We thank you once again for your presence here this morning. We thank you for your word, which has enriched and saved us. And we just thank you once again that we have you in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all.